Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Tonight, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor. We're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, tonight at 9, 8 central on CBS. Tonight, it's the CBS original comedy, The Neighborhood. I need at least a month to prepare for a debate, not six hours. Actually, it's four hours. <laughs> no, my watch is broken, too. With Cedric the Entertainer, Max Greenfield, and guest star Wayne Brady. You gotta fund the schools or graduate fools. I stole all my lines. Look, don't worry, I got a plan. Okay, well, what is it? Okay, so I don't have a plan. A new episode of The Neighborhood. You're gonna have to give them a show. Tonight, 8, 7 central on CBS. Time for fatness to meet fitness. Hold on to your butt. The common man and the thinking man. They were so convincing in their argument. They swung me. The avocado and the great bravado. I want it. It's everything. Nick Wilson and Josh Parcell. I assume you know who we are. Are Wilson and Parcell. Charlotte. Welcome into Wilson and Parcel. I'm Nick Wilson. He's Josh Parcel. We got hacky across the board. What's up, Joshy? What is up? Happy Thursday. Happy lottery day. Yes, lottery day. The the day that Hornets fans have come to absolutely hate. Oh, you know what? I think I'm, I'm I don't want to give it away right now. I I have a good feeling about tonight. I might even pick up a few scratch offs on the way home. That's how good I'm feeling about today. Yeah, but if you win the lottery, then I, then the Hornets are not going to win the lottery. We can't have too many good things in one day. No, I, I'm staying as far away from the lottery as possible. No Powerball for me. No scratch-offs. I want all the good luck. I want James Borrego to have it. He can do it for one night. Let's see if Charlotte can move up in the lottery for the first time ever. If, uh, <laughs> if, the, if Cleveland and the Cleveland Cavaliers have taught me anything, uh, you can catch lottery fever. Like if you look if you look at the uh, the 2000 from that 2011 draft on they got the number 1 pick 3 times in 4 years that's how you do it so so actually me winning the lottery would then only help the hornets win the lottery cuz it's it's very contagious although not contagious some other things Hacksaw? so i think i kind of get josh's point here so we should have as much bad luck as possible mm-hmm. so we can give all the good luck to the Hornets tonight. So let's go get some ladders. Let's go get some mirrors. We do have let's a go. black kitty yeah. that is outside yeah. the let's building here. Let's cross his path. Let's just get, let's follow him. Let's trail him for let's that Let's get matter. a bunch of salt shakers and just throw them on its side. Let the salt go out on it and everything. Let's do all the bad luck we can. So from the team that some wanted, uh, like me and Josh, some wanted to tank and didn't and has a chance at the number one pick. Uh, if the USA Today projection series by Nate Davis is any any real consideration here, if it's any merit in truth eventually, the Panthers going to be looking pretty good uh, with that number one pick this next year as Nate Davis has the Panthers going 2-14. and 14. He also had the New York Giants going 2-14, and 14, but obviously this would, uh, this would leave the Panthers 
with with either the first or second pick. I threw this out on Twitter, and, and I got some pretty interesting responses, Josh. So I'll, I'll let you finish the sentence first. The Carolina Panthers go 2-14 and 14 in 2020 if... Finish the sentence. Uh, we flatten the curve, <laughs> and there's a season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I picked when the schedule came out. Uh, I think this is a team that is probably going to win around two or three games, maybe four. I just... I've I've said it until I'm blue in the face that the, I I think that this this schedule is the reason why the Panthers won't win a lot of games. I think if they had a man, more manageable schedule, they played an easier division. I mean, you're playing the NFC North, and the NFC North has I think four teams that feasibly could make the playoffs. Now the Bears are, are are further out than than I mean they're the worst team in that division. Don't get me wrong, but if Trubisky reverts back to what he was two years ago, I still think the Bears are good enough to at least be roughly 500, which is more than you can say for the fourth best team in some other divisions. I think Detroit's going to be much improved. They were already a, a, I would say a 500 type team, maybe slightly above if Stafford was healthy last year. So he's back. They've improved the secondary. I think that the line and they've improved the linebackers as well. So I think the Lions could be good. And the Vikings and the Packers, we know, are playoff threats. So you're playing the NFC North. You're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, th- there's only two games on the schedule that look like really easiest type games, and that's the home game against I will Detroit their favor, which I haven't, I wouldn't favor them in that game, but there's two games on the schedule they're favored uh, in Vegas right now. So it's not exactly a bold, outlandish prediction for uh, Nate, the, the guy who wrote this piece for USA Today, to pick them to go 2-14. and 14. That That's that's quite possible yeah his methodology a little bit different than the uh you know ceiling and floor discussion yesterday that was based off simulations what nate davis actually did in this which kudos to him i don't know who has this much time or the sanity to do this he actually went through every single game in the nfl and predicted each one of those games i I hear what you're saying i don't think two and 14 is the most likely thing though I mean, I, I I look at this team and I do think you know games like Las Vegas are, are there's a chance there week one, uh, the Chicago game week six if Mitch Trubisky's still the quarterback. I I don't even think Arizona in week four is necessarily a slam dunk. Uh, Kyler Murray probably gonna have some fun against this defense, but again, that's not a very good Arizona team defensively or, or just even around him. They're still getting better despite adding Nuke Hopkins. I I think for the Panthers to go two and fourteen. I do think some things have to go wrong. Some of them already have. We know about the offseason. I think that is going to be one of the more damaging things that we look back on and and talk about what that costs this team. I would also say, though, I think for them to go to and I think Teddy Bridgewater is a good enough quarterback that they shouldn't go to and 14 just as we look at the schedule on paper. Teddy, to me, is either going to have to disappoint or not be able to play all 16 games for this team to be the absolute worst team in the NFL. I mean, I think Teddy could still play pretty well and this team lose a lot of games. losses. 14 losses is a lot for a guy if, he, if he's your starting quarterback for uh, 14 games. Or, sorry, 16 games. I, th- th- this defense is going to give up a lot of points. I don't know unless Dante Jackson just magically stops missing tackles and calling out coaches and doing the things that he's done for the last two years, unless Eli Apple starts uh, stops committing pass interference penalties every other uh, seemingly every other quarter. uh, Unless a group of linebackers that's largely unproven outside of Shaq Thompson, who has has his own flaws in his own right uh, can be better than what it was a year ago with one of the best middle linebackers in the last generation of football. 
I just think this defense is going to lose them a lot of games. I love the offense. I, you know me. I, I've been saying it for five hours a day every afternoon for the last couple of weeks. I think Teddy Bridgewater is a very good quarterback. And I think if the Panthers are patient enough to build around him, they, they don't need to panic this year if they lose a lot of games because I think Teddy can be very good. But uh, And obviously McCaffrey's great. I think DJ Moore uh, and, and Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson, you got the makings of really good skill positions, but you, you, you have an unreliable offensive line outside of the tackle positions. And you have an unproven tight end who I think could be pretty good, but unproven. Uh, you have, I would say, one of the worst special teams in the NFL as well, which does matter to some degree. And the defense is on paper, the worst in football, uh, this offense could score 24 points a game and lose 14 games. That That's how bad this defense is going up against the opponents that they're going to have to face. I mean, virtually every quarterback that they're going up against is I'm not every, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm exaggerating here, but a lot of the quarterbacks they are going up against are star quarterbacks. I mean, great, great players and great offenses. So I, it, it's not so much. I, I, I hate to sound like I'm, I'm trashing the entire Panthers roster. I'm not. I actually think this offense is probably better than most people around the league want to give it credit for. But you've got to be able to stop somebody. And history tells us in the NFL, when you have a defense that's this that's this unproven and could potentially be this bad. If they are, you're going to lose a lot of games. And I think 13, 14 losses is on the table, regardless of how good the offense is. I don't think anyone is sitting here doubting that the Panthers are going to be bad, but two and 14 isn't bad. Two and 14 is awful. And I, you know, to me, when I, when I think about the Panthers, if the defense isn't one of the three worst defenses in the NFL, and if the offensive line, maybe it's just average, right? They don't have to be great. If they're just average and, and give Teddy a, a, enough time, that to me is a four, five, six win team. That's not the number one pick. And I think if you look back, even in the last five years, you know, Cincinnati had Andy Dalton. And if you watch Andy Dalton last year, he wasn't a very good uh, quarterback. Andy Dalton led to... Uh, the the Bengals getting the number one pick. Josh Rosen in 2018 uh, led to Kyler Murray. Deshaun Kaiser led to Baker Mayfield. I can't remember the slap ass in Cleveland before Deshaun Kaiser, but I can assure you he's a slappy. And then Case Keenum, before he kind of became decent, really led you to to getting uh, the number one pick for the for the Rams. So none of those guys are very good. Like the best of the guys that I just mentioned is Case Keenum, and he didn't really become an acceptable player in the NFL as a starter until Minnesota, which was a few years later. So I, I look at this and I say the, the quarterback is a big piece. In, in terms of the quarterback going wrong is a big piece for the Panthers. That's why, to me, it comes down to Teddy either not being able to play all 16 games or the 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 lesser version of Teddy Bridgewater coming out as he has to try and be more for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I think if you look at most teams in the NFL, most of them feel okay about their quarterback spot. Uh, that, that's it, it's kind of you have to look around the rest of the league too. So the one team that I think has the worst situation in the NFL at quarterback. And I actually think this is arguable, but but it's the Jacksonville Jaguars with Gardner Minshew because Minshew had a stretch last season where he played well and by and large is still very unproven. He's a late round pick. He struggled once teams started to have more tape on the guy. He wasn't quite the same player he was when everybody was going nuts over his mustache and his outfits and stuff. But uh, outside of that, 
you know, I think Washington has a, has a very shaky quarterback situation. I think it's worse than the one in Carolina. That's why I think Washington is very much in the thick of the race for the number one pick in the draft. Uh, I think the Giants have an okay quarterback situation. Daniel Jones turned it over and fumbled the ball a lot last season, but as a rookie, I'm going to give him a, a little bit of a pass and say, all right, let's see what you have in year two. But again, I think a worse player than what the Panthers have at quarterback, but the the, the schedules that those teams are facing in the NFCs, first of all, the Giants and, and Washington play one another. So one of them is going to win at least one game that one of them might win too. So right there, there's two wins potentially off the board that the Panthers don't have the good fortune of, of getting because well, they play in a division where Atlanta is a team that I believe is a, is at least a threat to make the playoffs, and that's the next worst team in your division. So it, it's not just about looking at the roster, because if I looked at this roster, I don't think it's the worst in the NFL. Uh, because I think the offense is good enough to make up for some of the the, the shortcomings they have on defense. You know, we've, we, I've seen a lot of power rankings that have that, that have been put out over the last couple of months with the Panthers, and most of those rankings are about right. They have Carolina 29th, maybe 30th. They're not. I, I think they're still bottom five, but I don't think they're 32. But then when you com- you add into the, the the fact that they've got the schedule, they've got. Find find me the five wins is is what I would ask you. And I know that this league changes, but it's very difficult for me to sit here today and look at that schedule and go, here are the five games the Panthers are going to win. I don't see it. With USA Today predicting the Panthers to go 2-14 and here, I actually think the more you and I talk, I actually think the defense is going to bring out the the worst iteration of Teddy Bridgewater, and I think that's what's going to lead to 2-14. And, and the reason why I say that, it's not just he's going to have to throw from behind. Teddy Bridgewater last year was like the best quarterback in the NFL off play-action pass. He was phenomenal in the play-action. And this year, if that defense is as bad as we think it's going to be, Teddy's not going to have a lot of opportunities in play action because they're not going to be able to sell the run consistently in the second half because he's going to have to throw more. And while he was really good in the play action last year, his quarterback rating not in play action was 60.1. And unfortunately, I think that's the guy, the guy who who's not going to be able to just rely on play action because he's going to have to throw more out and people are going to understand he's going to have to throw more. I think that's going to bring out the the worst iteration of Teddy Bridgewater. I hope I'm wrong, but that's that's my ultimate fear. And when I say fear, I, I mean my my the worst visualization I can think of of the Carolina Panthers this year. Yeah, and it's possible. And that's you know goes back to something we talked about with Teddy a lot too. Is that do I do not expect this season to be the best year of Teddy Bridgewater's career to this point. I do not know that he'll be better than he was in 2015 in Minnesota when he was fine. I mean, he wasn't amazing, but he was, he was good that season. He was, he was very, I think it was pretty good. Um, I don't think he'll be better than he was that season. I, I certainly don't think he'll be better than he was last year when he was playing in New Orleans with a defense that gave him leads, gave him short fields and an offense that when fully loaded is better than the Panthers, although not by much. This season is not going to be a year where Teddy Bridgewater sets the world on fire, resets our our perception of Teddy, and, and all of a sudden we view him as a top 12 quarterback in this league. Um, where Teddy can thrive is down the road in better circumstances. But I do think that this year there could be times where Teddy Bridgewater might falter, which makes me even more convinced that, that the Panthers would lose games. I just think even if Teddy does play well, I don't think this team is built to win a lot. That's not Teddy's fault. That That's more about the, the team around him. Allow me to give the Charlotte the most lukewarm take ever. If Teddy Bridgewater goes 2-14, and 14, 
He ain't going to be the starting quarterback two years from now. He might not even be the starting quarterback next year. Uh, it all depends on what that number one pick gets them. Or sorry, whether that number one pick is ready to start at quarterback for the Carolina Panthers next year. Uh, we've got USA Today saying that the Panthers will go 2-14 and 14 in 2020. So fill in the blank here. The Panthers go 2-14 and 14 if... Finish that sentence. We'll take some of your uh, responses here on the Building Center text line or on the Diamond Direct Twitter feed as well. It's probably more positive for Matt Rule than you or I realize. Sports Radio FNZ. Matt Rule has done what everybody else does. He's took this team to the dentist. He's gotten rid of the things that have slowed this team down. And I'm not talking about players. I'm talking about systematically saying, what do we see as a Carolina Panther? What qualities do we want? And he asked for the input of all his coaches, the pro side, the college side, to know what is a Carolina Panther standard. And went through the whole organization and asked everyone. And then they put it on paper and said, this is how we're going to draft. I like that. He's coming in there. And when I say cleaning it out, just meaning getting rid of the cubicles and having these desks all linked up together and doing it like a board meeting room and making sure that every investment they have is going to help the team. Sports Radio FNZ, that was Steve Smith on the clubhouse yesterday giving his thoughts on the initial run here with Matt Rule. And, and Josh, I don't think 2-14 and 14 is the worst thing that could happen to Matt Rule. I really don't. Well, I mean, it's happened before. He, he's he's had worse seasons his first time around at Temple and first time at Baylor. That this is what he does. This is the other reason why I think a two and fourteen season or a three and thirteen year. Like, I I guarantee you that Dave Tepper is prepared for that. I guarantee you that the ownership in Carolina knew what might happen this coming season. Maybe they didn't know Luke Keekley was going to retire, but they had a feeling what was going to happen with Cam Newton. They knew what they were up against, so they went out and got the guy who's been as good as anybody at taking a team like that and turning them into winners. So, yeah, I think Matt Rule would be fine with that. Well, yeah, I, I, well, I, I well, also I was not think... about fine, but I, 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 he'd be confident moving forward. I also think the other reason why... It might be. Not, I wouldn't go best because you know that two and fourteen is never a best case scenario. But it's better to me than going four and twelve, having severe doubts about Teddy after this year. If he's part of the big, a big part of the reasons why you went four and twelve, and be no closer to answering the quarterback position in Carolina. The one thing. I hope Teddy's good enough that they're to, – to me, the, the two best scenarios are either Teddy's good enough that at the end of this year we say, man, if you get that guy on offensive line and, a few, and, and shore up that defense, we're going to have a nice run here. That's that's what that whether that's six and ten, eight and eight, don't give a damn on the record because they're not going to the playoffs. And if that happens, it's a miracle, and we're gonna you know make Matt Rule a saint. I don't mean a literal saint. You guys know what I mean. I mean the Catholic Church saint. But th so that's one of the best case scenarios. The other is you go through the season, and at the end of it, you're able to pick your long term franchise quarterback, so that. In one way or another, the long-term quarterback position is 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 truly answered and secured here. Because the longer this goes on, the more of a danger it is to Matt Rule. So, 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 what is it then? What, what's the best case scenario for the Panthers? I don't mean vague stuff. I mean record. What's the what in your mind? What's the best thing the Panthers could hope for it's this two year? Two and fourteen or eight and eight. Anything in between? Uh, no, no, I shouldn't say that. 
Anything that is in between two and fourteen or seven and nine is not going to be good for the Carolina Panthers unless there's a quarter unless there's a quarterback replacement in there. Like Trey Lance falls to five. But yes, it's two and fourteen or seven and nine. It's the extremes. Which is possible. I mean, I, I don't know that the quarterbacks are going to go one, two, three in next year's draft. There's a ton of talent in that draft that I don't, I mean, it all depends on who needs a quarterback and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I don't think two and 14 is some sort of panic, uh, you know, or, or, or reason to panic if you're in Carolina. Two and 14 isn't ideal. I think this team would love, I, I think six and 10, I'd be happy with it if I'm Carolina, so long as it, as Teddy stays healthy and and gives you reason to believe in him moving forward. Six and 10 is not good. Six, six oh, it's, and not, ten. it's not. I, mean, I agree it's not good, but with this roster, it's that'd be, I, I'd be thoroughly impressed with Matt Rule if he pulled six games out of this team. Why, thoroughly why, impressed. Why, why do we feel like Brian Flores uh, in, in his mission in, in Miami is successful? Well, because they were winning by the end of the season. Well, no, because they went 5-11, and 11, which... Uh, which in which okay isn't that's that my fine. Point? isn't that my point well but the the reason why it actually made sense and the reason why we actually like what Brian Flores did is they still ended up with Tua Tagovailoa yeah but th- but that's but that's why i say something in between 2 and 14 and 8 and 8 is still okay i mean they they could go 6 and 10 and either say because okay let's remember here Teddy Bridgewater and Ryan Fitzpatrick not the same guy Fitzpatrick is almost 10 years older complete journeyman has never been viewed as a long term starter anywhere Teddy Bridgewater has a ceiling that's higher than Fitzpatrick but nevertheless there's a chance that if Bridgewater is the quarterback and they go 6 and 10 and they're sitting at 5 in the draft and there's a quarterback who they think is a franchise talent sitting there they could take him of course that's possible and they should they should consider that they would be ignorant and naive not to consider that but there are outcomes on this team i don't think 2 and 14 is automatically the best case scenario for the panthers uh, i know everybody thinks i'm captain tank over here but yeah, I'd be okay. I thought it was with, Lieutenant I'd Tank. Be, I'd be well. I got promoted. I promoted myself. Hey. Uh, ca- yeah, I can do that. You can do that when you're be- captain. Between that and the Barrett Sports Media article, you're having a week, sir. Yeah. Um. So with the the, the two and fourteen stuff, I'm okay with that. But the six and ten record or something in that range, I'd be fine with too because I think this draft has enough good guys uh, that are going to be top five, six prospects. And if you go five and eleven, six and ten, you're probably drafting there anyway. I think there's enough players there where I'd be happy. I, 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 I've, I've said this before. I'd be happy with Michael Parsons. I would love Michael Parsons to be the next Luke Keekley. Uh, or the replacement for Luke Keekley. I would love Panay Sewell. I would love Jamar Chase, who, you, I, who, who, by the way, just broke all kinds of records playing for the guy who's now calling plays in Carolina. That would be pretty nice as well. There's there's other guys other than QBs I would like, and if there's a QB sitting there, all the better. Take him too, if you, that's what they think is best. You really think after 6-10 and 10, you're still going to be on the, the Teddy Express? Well, it depends on what the six and ten looks like. Yeah, I just I'm I'm this is uh, I've seen a lot of teams. I've covered a lot of teams. They go five and eleven, well, six yeah, and ten. Well, yeah, you covered the Browns. They draft a quarterback every uh, year. Well, no, it's not just about them. I also spent time in Detroit covering them. Like I've seen teams go six and ten, and they're and this is not just a Cleveland or Detroit thing. It's very rare that you go six and ten, and everybody's like, you know, this Teddy Bridgewater guy's on to something. Well, when was the last time the Lions drafted a quarterback in the first round? They haven't drafted it's one since Stafford. Speci- it's about the record, Josh. Very well, but few the times. Lions go six and ten a lot. Very, That's my point. Very, well, but they also have Matt Stafford, a guy who was the former number one pick, mm-hmm. who's teased 
franchise potential who's gotten them to the playoffs before. There's no history of that with Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater's gotten teams to the playoffs before. It just wasn't Carolina. Okay, but Matt Stafford was the reason they got to the playoffs those fact, years. I think t- Teddy Bridgewater was not the reason. I mean, he he's, he's a, he was good. I'm not saying he wasn't. But Teddy Bridgewater was was a party to the success. He was not a reason for the success. Well, again, again, this goes back to the fallacy that exists in the NFL that having a great quarterback is a requirement or well, no, a prerequisite but, for being a playoff but team. You, you made the Matt Stafford comparison. The reality is... Bridgewater and Stafford have the same number of playoff appearances. It's But the point is they don't have the same entry point. They don't have the same sure. expectations. And Matt Stafford is a much more talented, physically talented quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater. So the I, I just... I just it's not that it's not that it's outside the bounds of possibility because the truth is the cool thing about this season is there's a lot of unknown and while we assume the unknown is going to be a bad thing you know maybe some of these things shake the panthers way right maybe the lack of an offseason hurts everyone equally and doesn't just punish the panthers i don't think that's the way it's going to go but maybe it does maybe teddy bridgewater's familiarity with joe brady helps both of them uh, overcome the unknowns of them in Carolina, but when we talk about a team going five and eleven and six and ten, it's just tough for me to think that at the end of that season, everyone's going to go, okay, let let's keep investing or let's let's forsake all other options. Let, we're certain on Teddy Bridgewater. They don't need to be certain. I think that's that's the the part of your the argument I don't agree with is they don't need to be certain. They signed Teddy to a three year deal, and. If they decide after this season and they go into the draft, they say, all right, we're not 100% locked in on Teddy, but we've got another year. We've actually got two years if we wanted, but we've got another year with Teddy. We know that Teddy can win if we if we help you know supply him with the, the, the protection that he needs in a better defense. And we say, all right, we're sitting here with the fifth pick in the draft. All right, we like Trey Lance. We're not 100% sold that Lance is, is for whatever reason, I'm, j- I'm not even making up my own evaluation. I'm saying, all right, there, there, Lance is on the board at five. We like the kid, but we're not sold on the kid. All right, but the, here's, here's this Parsons guy. This Parsons guy can be the fixture in the middle of our defense, we think, for the next 10 years. We have him graded higher than we do Lance. We like Bridgewater. We know we have a big gap at linebacker, or maybe it's left tackle. Maybe we say, man, this Panay Sewell kid. We haven't had a cornerstone left tackle in almost a decade since Jordan Gross walked out the door. We like Bridgewater. We don't know if we're 100% sold on the quarterback. So why don't we give Bridgewater another year? Because there's going to be another Trey Lance a year from now. Trey, it's not like Trey Lance is a guy that comes along once every 10 years. I wouldn't even say that about Justin Fields either. I don't think Fields is good, but I don't think Fields is some sort of guy that you give, you you, know, you cater your whole franchise to and, and give up picks or whatever it might take. So we, we like those guys, but let's go give Teddy that cornerstone left tackle. Or let's go get our, our, our middle of, of our defense, our, our, our Micah Parsons, who can maybe be our next Luke Keekley. It, that that is possible. All I'm saying is it's it's on the table. You're saying that they're not going to have any confidence in Teddy, so pull the plug. That that may not necessarily be true. All options will be on the table unless the Panthers go nine and seven this year. I don't think anybody anybody is going to talk about Teddy Bridgewater as the locked in stone. Write it down in blood. He is the franchise quarterback moving forward. But the options are still on the table. In in the event that something happens in the middle of that, in between a two and fourteen season, and let's call it eight and eight, ambiguity at quarterback is death in the NFL. It, it, that's such a slippery slope. Of well, let's give him another year, 
you know, it's not just about drafting a guy to say you draft a guy and this is going to be the future. It's also about installing that guy and understanding that the clock starts with that guy. It restarts with that guy. And it still might be three years before that guy puts you in a position to win. Because, not, I mean, we're, we're talking about it with five of the six quarterbacks in the first round of the 2018 draft where one guy is a, is a mostly proven commodity in Lamar Jackson what the hell is Baker Mayfield? What the hell is Sam Darnold? What the hell is Josh Allen? What the hell is is Josh Rosen? That that to me is the other part of this. Aren't you aren't you arguing against yourself by doing that though? Like because five of the six teams that took quarterbacks two years ago right now aren't sure if that's going to be their guy two years from now. So it wouldn't it wouldn't it stand to reason that if you know you have a quarterback who maybe has a slightly lower ceiling than the best of the best in the league, but his floor is also relatively high. Shouldn't you be a little bit more patient with someone like that and go draft players at the other positions? Because let's face it, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers are great. They're not getting their team to the Super Bowl on their own. They have to have great rosters around them. I would like to address the other 52 spots on the team. I mean, there's other guys on the team I like. It's not literally 52, but I would like to build my football team rather than just throw darts at a quarterback when you know as well as I do, you got at best a 50-50 chance of that guy being any good. I don't think they should draft a quarterback to draft a quarterback, if that's what you're asking. I agree. But if you think a guy's a franchise quarterback, you don't pass up on him for a middle linebacker. God bless Luke Keekley. I wouldn't have passed up on a franchise quarterback for Luke Keekley. One of the be- if not the best player in franchise history, one of the best franchise players would not have done it. If I think a guy's a franchise quarterback, that's the thing. Left tackles... You can find everywhere. You can develop guys. You can find guys all everywhere. You can even find quarterbacks everywhere. But if you have a chance at a franchise quarterback in the NFL, you take that big swing and you live with the results. Yeah, but did you hear what I said? I said if they're not 100% convinced that that's their guy. You and I agree. If there's a quarterback who you think, hey, this dude is it, then sure. But I don't know that Lancer Fields are that guy, and it, I, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what the Panthers think. But that's where you go. To, you, you you run into issues making deflections is when you draft a guy, even if you're not 100% convinced he's, he's the right guy for the job. We call that either a Cleveland Brown or an Arizona Cardinal, depending on what uh, time zone you are in. Uh, USA Today has the Panthers going 2-14 and 14 in their projections. The Panthers go 2-14 and 14 if... Finish that sentence, and I've got something to say about the NBA's draft lottery and the Hornets' chances next on Sports Radio FNZ. You know, I think it's very dangerous to look at this roster and think about needs because Mitch has, has signaled so clearly that, you know, roster balance right now is not his priority. I do think that Wiseman or Avia. Definitely address areas where they really need help. Sports Radio FNZ, that was uh, Rick Bennell from the uh, the clubhouse earlier uh, this week and uh, his thoughts on the Hornets heading into the draft lottery. Of course, this tonight, Josh, and I got, I, I got a feeling. You do? I got a feeling. That tonight's going to be a good night? That tonight's going to be a good night. I, I've never shared this on air. I have some sensitivities to the ethereal world, right? I have some premonitions occasionally. What hacked on phonics was on Wednesdays. No, 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 no. That's okay. that's a different bit. Um, I I I have a feeling. I've been having tinglings all day. I, I probably this is not a health issue, by the way. Just letting everybody know. Uh, I, I've I, there's no stage of a heart attack going on right now. No, I've had. 
I've had a bit of a premonition. I'm going to go ahead and call it right now. I'm going to put them on the line. I'm going to say what I think is going to happen. The Hornets are going to be getting a top three pick tonight. Well, it would just be so fitting that in a year where most people view it as a weak draft that the Hornets get a top three pick. So, yeah, why the heck not? Let's do it. Listen, I, I understand the stats. I saw the tweet earlier today since reentering the NBA in 2004. The, the Bobcats Hornets draft position has stayed the same 10 times and worsened five times. Right now, they can only get picks one through four or picks eight through tw- uh, yeah, eight through 12. I believe it is. Um, I'm going to say right now, I, I, I'm actually, they're going to have a top two pick. I'm going to go one I think step it's further. 10, right? Because only they, they, three teams can jump them. So they're eight, nine, well, I guess 11. Yeah, either it way. It is 11. Yeah, yeah, 11. That makes sense. I, I was doing the math in real time. But I think it's going to happen this year. And I think it's, I think we're finally going to have something to be excited about with the Charlotte Hornets. I've called it right now. I hope so. I hope you're right. Uh, it's about time that they had some good luck come their way with, on lottery night. I mean, this is a weird year, and maybe the, the, the weirdness is going to continue tonight because this is a franchise that has been kicked in the groin year after year on, on, on lottery night or on draft night, or we come to find out years later that uh, they screwed it up on draft night. Uh, Mitch Kupchak deserves none of the blame for the Hornets draft woes. Uh, what he has done the last couple of years in drafting is is incredibly strong. Now, would I have preferred Tyler Hero instead of P.J. Washington? Probably. Would I have preferred uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander over Miles Bridges? Yes. Would I have preferred Michael Porter Jr. over Miles Bridges? Yes. But Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington are good players, I, 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 or, or good young prospects at the very least. So, He's done a good job drafting. He found Devontae Graham. Mitch Kupchak's done a good job. So if you can get Mitch Kupchak into the top three of this draft, that could be huge. And, you know, last year, the Memphis Grizzlies sat with the eighth best odds to land the number one pick. And because they've reformatted the lottery where you're a little less likely, they flatten the odds at the top. uh, You're less likely to get the number one pick with the worst record. And there's a trickle down. So the team's in the Hornets range actually have a slightly better chance, not necessarily to get to number one, but to get into the top three last year, Memphis got to number two. They drafted John Morant, who is better than anybody in this draft, but they drafted John Morant and Morant helped them get to the brink of the playoffs as a rookie. So, and the Pelicans that could were, were the, they were, were one seven. spot ahead. They were seven. The Lakers were 11th and they got the fourth pick. I mean, listen, I, I can understand why people look at this and say, well, it's not a great draft at the top. You know, what will it really matter? Yes, because you want to be able to pick the guy that you think has the best chance. You don't want to pick the guy who you think has the second best chance. You want to be able to get your guy. And I think one of the reasons why it's not as, as good of a draft up top is there's just so much unknown. If James Wiseman had been able to play a full season at Memphis, I think we'd feel better about what's at the top of the draft. Or guys like LaMelo Ball, guys like R.J. Hampton, if they had been able to play in college and we had been able to see them up against a level of competition we maybe have a better context for, I think we might be a little bit more excited you know, to win the number one pick if that's what transpires this year. No, it's, it's true. There, there's a handful of guys in the top 10 of this year's draft, we expect, that either played overseas or in the case of Wiseman, only played a handful of games. There is a great deal of unpredictability with the draft 
uh, in two months. I mean, the draft lottery tonight, we'll see what happens. Uh, Again, to echo your point about why the Hornets need to draft as high as possible, that's true no matter what. But Charlotte, even though Devontae Graham, I think, has emerged as a bona fide starting point guard in the league, he's not going anywhere. He's he's arrived. Uh, I think P.J. Washington has a Paul Millsap type ceiling to his game, which is a, I would say a third or fourth best player on a really good team. Uh, I think that's where PJ could be. They need talent. They need an influx of talent. I like some of the young pieces. I like uh, McDaniels. I like uh, the Martin twins. They've got some pieces that you could see. All right. These guys could be rotation dudes in the league, but where is that, that top end talent? Cause I don't think it's PJ. I really don't think it's miles. I like miles in, in certain spots, but I don't think miles has, face of the franchise go-to scorer type potential. I just don't see that in him. So where is that guy going to be? And LaMelo Ball, as you mentioned, is a polarizing prospect for a number of reasons. We know the name. We know the dad. We know the family. Uh, The game is great in some areas. It's severely lacking in others. Anthony Edwards is a kid out of Georgia who, in a lot of ways, is kind of like a Markel Fultz where really talented, but why didn't they win in college? Uh, That's a concern. And then there's some other guys that you really don't know about, like a Killian Hayes out of France, who's been a, a late riser in the process. And now some people view him as a potential number one pick. James Wiseman, who I've liked since the beginning, I've, I've thought that's the perfect guy for the Charlotte Hornets, uh, is a dude that only played a handful of games in college. Uh, but I would still take him if they had the chance. So we'll see tonight. But if Charlotte can get into the top three, that is obviously great news. That's that's not a, a shocking analysis there. But I think that they they just need to draft the best possible player. So get as high as you can in the draft and see who that guy is. Yeah, I I love the idea. Listen, there there are going to be times, hopefully in the near future, where the draft is going to be more of a needs based proposition. It ain't now. You know, Anthony Edwards. Uh, well, you mentioned the concerns. Man, I'd love to watch him and Devontae Graham play in the same backcourt. Uh, Obi Toppin, who I know some people might think of as a redundancy. If he ends up, listen, if he's the best player on your board, take him and figure the roster out as you go. If that means you have to make a trade of Miles Bridges in the future, you have to make a trade in the future. I I am, I am, think you just got to go out there and take a big swing. And listen, Here's the other thing. If you get the number one pick, I also don't think the Hornets, there's going to be excitement from us. Okay. We're going to be jacked up. If they do get the number one pick, I don't think it means you have to keep it either. If you think there is a potential deal out there, I'm not talking for Gary Harris, whom I loved coming out of college and who's coming off a rough year. I'm talking about if you can swing a trade that can jumpstart the franchise by a year or two, I'm okay with that too. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough for them in a year like this to deal the pick. Uh, One, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts here, so I don't even want to get into all the different possibilities. But the draft being weaker at the top certainly doesn't help. It makes the pick less valuable in some people's eyes uh, around the NBA. Next year's draft is going to be stronger. Two or three years down the road, people are projecting could be one of the best drafts ever, deepest drafts ever. So I, I, I think the Hornets in that sense... They might have missed out on the luck of the draw if they end up getting into the top uh, one or two spots because I don't think the pick has as much trade value as it has had in the past. But, you know, the thing the Hornets need to draft, and this echoes what I was saying a minute ago, is they, they need to draft with 2025 in mind, not 2021. This is not about 
how does this guy fit within the framework of what we have right now? Because the Hornets right now have uh, a great pull-up jump shooting point guard who's also a great distributor, but is undersized and not a great defender. They've got a, a nice supplemental guard who's a secondary ball handler who can be your scorer if when you're rotating your two league guards, he can be that point guard when Devontae Graham's off the floor. And then you have two athletic switchable front court guys, one of which I think is a, is a much more versatile player in P.J. Washington. He's a better defender. He's a better shooter. Uh, he's the guy you build around. And then you have Miles. To me, Obi Toppin is basically, if they draft Obi Toppin, go ahead and, and send Miles Bridges packing. And I don't mean immediately, but if you're drafting Toppin, you're basically drafting Miles Bridges 2.0. You're drafting a six foot nine, six foot ten guy who has some kind of range, but is a great offensive player uh, when he gets downhill. Good athlete, played two years in college. Like it, it, it's it's Miles Bridges all over again. I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but it, I would almost rather go in a different direction. I always say draft the best player, and if they think Toppin's the best player, that's fine. But I do think Miles Bridges is already the most tradable piece that the Hornets have, that would make him even more tradable down the road if they drafted a guy like Obi Toppin. There's other guys out there that I I would rather see come to Charlotte unless they feel like they can get good value for Miles Bridges in the next year and a half. Yeah, I think I think the thing I would say about Toppin is, one, he and Bridges are the exact same age, which is interesting because Toppin is one of the older draft picks right. or draft prospects. The only thing is he is a better shooter. I think there's a higher upside. Uh, and and I and I again I do understand that they are somewhat redundant and that means we might miss out on whatever the upside Miles Bridges tends to be but if you can find the better player who is the better shooter and maybe can do additional things that Miles can't do then I I I, I just am not married to any position as a matter of fact the thing that scares me about getting the, the number 1 pick is the idea of you take Wiseman because he fills a need I take Wiseman if you think he's the best player, but don't do it because well you need a guy. And I feel the same way about uh, the the kid out of USC, the big out of USC. If they get the Okongwu, pick. yeah. Uh, Okongwu is another guy that uh, to me he's a more refined Biombo. Like he's he's not Bismack, so I don't want to go there. But that's that's kind of the role is this big physical, athletic, defensive minded uh, guy who is more athletic, I think, than than Biombo was. But that's sort of what I see. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Toppin, like you said, if you're drafting Toppin, you're basically just getting a similar version of Miles and getting now you're restarting the clock at that spot on your roster in terms of a rookie contract. Um, I, I would not say whether they draft Toppin or not and whoever they draft tonight or uh, they're not drafting time, whoever they draft in a couple of months. I, I, I think Miles Bridges is a guy I have my eye on as a potential trade piece in the next year because they've got PJ who they like. Miles was very inconsistent early in the year, started to come around and play very well by the end of the season. But at some point, Charlotte's going to have to try to cash in on some of the young talent and try to see if they can flip it and get a little bit better, whether that's a top draft pick, top three draft pick or something like that, or a great veteran player. At some point, they're going to have to get that guy. If they think Miles Bridges has more value as a trade asset than he does as a wing on this team, I don't think I would put it past them to consider making that move. So I would keep an eye on that. But uh, as far as tonight goes uh yeah get as high as you can hopefully they get james wiseman because i think that's the guy i think that is joel Embiid without the attitude problems and that'd be the guy i would take it is uh the nba draft lottery tonight we'll see where the hornets pick but again i'm calling it now they will have i'm gonna go back to top three pick i'm, I'm trying to constantly feel what my uh what my esp is saying and i'm saying they're going to have 
a top three pick in this year's draft. They will be like the Pelicans. They will be like the Grizzlies of last year. And the process wasn't perfect, but the understanding of the process was far worse. Sports Radio FNZ.